In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday, Brett. Woohoo. Uh, let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games, and I spent most of my Disney Plus time inside the high school musical cinematic universe. Uh, this is what happens when you have children. Lucky you. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies, and I've spent my Disney Plus time watching The Mando twice. Though I almost watched The Rocketeer at 3 in the morning, and I, but I thought better of it. I like how we have an abbreviated version of the show now. The, the Mando. Mando. It's not cool That's to be Mando. cool kids. For cool kids only. The Mando. Kind of sounds like the man do, like a man bun, man up do. <laughs> uh, I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and um, besides watching The, man- the Mando... At three o'clock in the morning, um, I put on Hercules while I was cooking dinner on Tuesday. I was drawn to it. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Well, hey, everyone's got their favorite. Zero to hero. If this is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of the Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. While you're on Apple Podcasts, it would make us so happy if you could write a quick review about the show. Not only do you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us, but as a bonus, we give you a special shout out on the next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want from the show. We love it. Everybody wins. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can send us an email to MothershipPod at usatoday.com. On to the main topic. Here's a clip. Grief Karga said you were coming. What else did he say? He said you were the best in the Parsec. No, 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 pardon. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to alarm. Uh, this is Dr. Pershing. Please excuse his lack of decorum. His enthusiasm outweighs his discretion. Please lower your blaster. Have them lower theirs first. We have you four to one. I like those odds. That was from The Mandalorian, a.k.a. The Mando. <laughs> the Mando. <laughs> the first ever live-action TV series set in the Star Wars universe. And the flagship new TV series from the recently debuted Disney Plus streaming service. The series takes place between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens in the lawless edge of the galaxy far from the governance of the New Republic. It follows an unnamed bounty hunter known only as The Mandalorian... The Mando. Played by Pedro Pascal. This is going to be a running gag, by the way. He is given a huge bounty for an unknown but heavily guarded target, but when he discovers who he is hunting, things get a bit more complicated. The series also stars the awesome Carl Weathers, Werner Herzog, Gina Carano, Giancarlo Esposito, and Taika Waititi. The first episode premiered with the launch of Disney Plus on Tuesday, and a second is out today. Although we're recording this on a Thursday, so we have only seen the series premiere. We're going to talk about what we thought of the pilot, what the big twist ending means for the Star Wars universe, and what we hope to see from Star Wars on television. And since we are talking about the ending, where are we headed, Brian Truitt? Mando Spoiler Town. So, 
<laughs> the Mando. Oh, no, God. Uh, <laughs> it's a gift that keeps on. It's it's my early Christmas gift to you. I've just what I've always wanted. Um, so you've been warned. We're going to Spoiler Town. So if you have not watched the uh, first episode of The Mandalorian, go watch it now. And we also just want to mention this episode theme comes courtesy of our Halloween costume contest winner, Ryan Lanciao, who also gave me a shout out because I pronounced his name right. I think I pronounced his name right. So I feel pretty good about that. I hope you did it again. Ryan Lanciao. One more time. Ryan Lanciao. Okay. The Mando. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We've created a monster. Uh, uh, yes. Thank you for your suggestion, and we hope that this lives up to your expectations. Here we go. Let's dive in. Uh, Kelly, we'll start with you. Overall thoughts on the pilot for The Mando. <laughs> <laughs> Not to bring The Mando down. The but... Mando doesn't go down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I am on the record as not quite loving it. It had a lot of problems for me, first and foremost, that in the pilot episode, which is all any of us have seen, the Mandalorian, the Mando, he doesn't take off his masks and the they modulate his voice digitally. So it's really impossible to connect with him as a character for most of the pilot, although the last few scenes help significantly. Um, and honestly, it didn't really feel like there was enough setup to the world. Like, obviously, yes, it's Star Wars. It's the Star Wars galaxy. But this time and place is new to most people um, who aren't into, like, the expanded universe in books or the animated series. So I just felt like when they tried to set up the time and place, it was super clunky. Like, when he was getting paid by Carl Weathers, uh, Carl Weathers tries to pay him in Imperial credits. And the Mandalorian is like, the Empire is dead. And I was like... Thanks for that exposition, bro. But um, I just, I felt a little adrift in where and when we were. And I also really didn't love the direction. I felt like the action was very hard to follow. It was really strange to me that uh, the two guys running the show, John Favreau, director of Lion King, Iron Man, many things, uh, and Dave Filoni, who's a big alum of the Star Wars animated series, many of which I really love. Favreau wrote the episode and Filoni directed it. And I really thought, it should have been the opposite to play to their strengths a bit. So I don't know. I was a little, I was disappointed all around. However, only one episode. It can go up from here. You touched on one of the things that I definitely had a problem with, which was the fact that you can't really relate to this character at all. There's like a glimpse like at later on in the episode where you get a sense of who he is. And maybe there's like that kind of first seed of this is how you're going to connect to this guy. But yeah, I think with him, the helmet on all the time with droids and stuff like that, like they can still be expressive and emotional. And you can see that right away. Like R2-D2 beeps like crazy and you mm -hmm. see all the of different effects and C-3PO is the same way. But like with that mask, you see nothing. So it's like it's all got to be about the actor's voice and how he carries himself. And it's kind of hard to get that from the character. I don't I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was promising. I thought toward the end it was it felt like you got a bit of a payoff. Um but yeah, I feel like I need to connect with him a little more for this show to carry on beyond just this pilot. Well, if I might be the Mando's advocate for a second, I don't think you're bro Mando. The bro Mando. Um, I don't think you're supposed to connect to him until the end. I think you're supposed to connect to him very gradually. When you first see him, he's Boba Fett. Really, he doesn't talk a whole lot. You know, he's doing stuff that you probably shouldn't. You know, he shouldn't be doing for for lots of money or not that much money, I guess. And we're not supposed to care about him until. We see like little bits of, of his flashback when we kind of see there's there's a bit of a sense of humor with when he's trying to like ride the weird alien horse shark alien horse thing. 
and when he you know when he's when he's dealing with the kind of the assassin droid and then you know when he when he i'm going to spoil it here so you know feel here free we go. Feel here we go here we so go so when he finds baby yoda or yoda baby whatever we were going to call him you know that's when we're like okay he's our guy now because he didn't kill baby yoda he killed the assassin droid he was going to kill baby yoda i didn't love it either because i th- i feel like the first episode was like it's like, oh, this is Star Wars. This is very much Star Wars atmosphere, but we're like, okay, there's not much more there. Mm-hmm. But I think again, this it's the same problem I had with the animated shows is because like you can't tell a Star Wars story in a half hour. It's just impossible. And I think the Clone Wars were like two episodes, you know, part one and part two, because that was kind of the only way to do it. And I feel like forty minutes. This is not. This is not a. It should have been a binge watch show. I know they got to like have their little to mac in every every week so you can keep coming back. This should have been a, a bingeable episode or like show or give us like go morning show with it and give us like two or three episodes because 40 minutes is not is not going to be enough to get into this. You need like two episodes at least. So that was my biggest problem with it. But I feel like, you know, seeing it again, you do you get more out of it, it and it it is better, but I feel like yeah, they needed to be like less Star Wars and more like you know, this is why we care about not so much him, but care about this world. I feel like in this case, I didn't mind it being an episode at a time because especially with Star Wars stuff. I mean, you know, we're at a point now where everything you have to try to cram through all these episodes in like a few hours. And especially with social media and the Internet and stuff like that, it's so easy to get this stuff ruined. And so yeah. I almost kind of liked having the pace of I'm watching the episode and I can wait for the next one. And I don't feel like I'm trying to rush to get caught up before everything gets ruined. So in a respect, I like that. The one thing I did like, too, about Mandalorian was um, I thought some of the action sequences were really cool, too. Like, I didn't, yeah. In the, the stuff with the action, the, the stuff at the end with uh, the assassin droid was awesome. But even in the beginning, there's a moment where he's fighting this uh, one character, and he gets caught in, like, the door. And the door, it mm-hmm. suggests the door closes on him, which oh, I thought it was kind of... Yeah, did. no, it definitely It was Disney did. Plus, so we, we could just see, like, Yeah, no, it's little, clear little. that it did. But... Um, that was great too, and it was just uh, that. I think that's why I'm giving it a benefit of the doubt because, as Kelly said, it's television; it's one episode, but also some of the action was really cool too. So I feel like that that alone was enough to you know keep me interested in it. Yeah, they talked to our colleague Bill Kevney about how they wanted to make a space western. That I think is what they succeeded at better than anything else in the pilot. I really liked the the two moments where he comes through the doors one at the beginning and then one at the end of that pilot at you know the beginning which is around the scene that Brett was talking about he goes into a bar looking for one of his targets and he happens to break up a bar fight in the process and he just kind of he goes to the door and he looks pretty badass already and but the door just opens for him and then at the end when he's going after baby Yoda before he knows he's going after baby Yoda they can't get through the door so they you know shoot it up and then the door falls out in front of it. And that is so saloon doors opening for the guy in the black hat. It was it, it had the vibe. You know, there was lots of dust everywhere. You know, I I I got that. It made sense to me. And that was really successful in terms of setting a tone. So uh, what do we think of Pedro Pascal's the lead? And also, what about the rest of the cast? I was really pleasantly surprised to see Carl Weathers. I loved seeing him in that scene and then that character role oh i mean i i want to see more I, again i want to see more it's just like i wanted gina carano who i who i i love gina carano hey go see haywire like right now it's not on disney plus yet but 
So, yeah, that's it's, a Disney Plus yeah, show. Yeah, it's not really a Disney movie. Plus show. A movie. Um, but, like, I wanted to see, like, her because, I mean, she's a former rebel trooper. I think that's going to be kind of interesting to see, you know, after after the Battle of Jakku and the Fall of the Empire and everything. What is she up to? Um, I'm sure shenanigans. And you can call her Esposito. He's like, you know, he's a Grand Moff out, you know, former Imperial guy who's out doing, again, probably doing chicanery somewhere so you know well i want to see that guy too they're doing the slow burn and i and i and i understand why they're doing the slow burn but like i need i need i need more of my mando stuff so there is a slow burn to characters but back to your original point which i totally like went off on um pedro pascal i think is good because we don't we don't see him and that's fine but i i like his voice there's an intonation to it where it's just like it's flat and you, te- you can tell when it's not flat, like when he's dealing with the, you know the assassin droid who keeps trying to blow himself up. Like there's a there's there's a little bit of exasperation that gets in there, and he doesn't have to do much to his voice, and just and you so you hear it. And I'm it's probably like hard for him. Just he can't emote with his face. It's gonna all be like armor armor movements and and voice. So I would imagine that's pretty hard. Kelly, what were your thoughts on the cast? Yeah, I agree with Brian about Pedro. I felt that. So I was frustrated for most of the episode where he was behind the mask and he had a very flat voice. And then we get to the final battle with the droid. And I was pleasantly surprised by how much he was able to do with those limitations. And I feel like a lesser actor wouldn't have been able to convey as much as Pedro did. It wasn't a huge amount, but he was, you know, he was really working against like literal armor, preventing him from getting to the audience. And that was impressive. I mean, yeah, I really want to see the rest of the cast. Um, I was really bummed we didn't see Gina. Um, but, you know, hats off to Werner Herzog, um, who is a legend, was very effective in his one scene. Hope he comes back. Please say Werner Herzog again. Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably really offensive. I'm sorry. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, did it feel like a Star Wars show? As I was watching it, one of the first things I thought of was... You know, it seems like obviously this is going to be a very overarching show that really connects the Star Wars universe. But then part of me was like, what if this were like almost like a week to week, like a new crazy bounty comes up and he has to go find this bounty? Is there one way or the other that would be more interesting to you? I like that idea. They would never do it because they, you know, Disney's in the connected universe business and everything's yeah. got to connect. Everything's got to have Easter eggs and stuff. I think like an A-team, like a Star Wars A-team show. Or like a Star Wars eight team, X Wing Rogue Squadron show would be like if I had like choice to do whatever show, whatever Star Wars thing I would ever want to do, it would be that. Those X Wing EU novels are just sitting out there, waiting to be adapted. Yeah, and so I think I think that, but they're never going to do like a procedural. There there might be procedural aspects, like he might be carrying like. He might be going low wolf and cub and like carrying Yoda baby on his back while he goes to kill kill some people. And I think we might have some of we might have some of that, but I think it's gonna be this is gonna be like an eight hour movie that they just yes. like chuck chucked into, you know, eight different parts. Excuse <laughs> me as I vomit all over peak TV. Also, but like but here's the other weird thing. Forty minutes. Honestly, I didn't hate it. Why? I, I kinda was, liked it because everything's too long. Yeah, I agree. I you wouldn't have wanted to watch an hour of this show. I feel like they can save that for later on. Like, if there's a really good episode and you need to stretch it out, do it. But if it doesn't feel, if it, don't, why don't, put a 48, 40 minutes of a show? It's like, why don't you just make a half hour and put a laugh track on it? I'd rather have a really good 40 minutes than a really stretched out, like, 55 minutes. Yes. But I, but I, but I, think, I feel like you could have done more in terms of, in terms of, 
keep Yoda baby where he is because that that's a perfect cliffhanger. But like add like 15 minutes, just 15 minutes of like where are we at? Why are we? Why do we care about these people? Just a little bit more of exposition would have been just great because we know it's Star Wars. We got all the atmosphere. We got we got like. You know, the little Jabba's little guy who's, you know, getting charred and, you know, gonk droids. It's, you know, Star Wars to the max. But it's just like ingrained it in like some kind of other storytelling thing. But I think that's part of the reason of having it that long is a little bit of the mystery. Like why you see, kind of, you know, there's the moment where he is getting the next bounty and he sees like the little group of stormtroopers and stuff like that. Oh, why are they here? What's going on? Are they going to try to do re, you know, re-resurrect the Empire stuff? Um there's a lot of little things where it's like, I, I like having the mystery. And the, like, again, the 40 minutes didn't bother me because, again, I'm thinking ahead about what happens to Baby Yoda, what happens here, what happens here. I think there's enough there where I'm going to keep coming back. And if you have later episodes down the road that are like 50 minutes or an hour, if it feels like it's got to be an hour, then that's great. But don't like... Don't try to cram it to make it too long. Well, it's interesting because I wonder what they'll do with the length going forward because they have no reason to make it one length or another or to keep the length consistent throughout the whole season because they don't have commercials to fill or a schedule to do. Um, But I agree with both of you. Like, just on, like, the purest level, I like shows that are shorter because... In general, that means they're tighter, that means they're better edited, that means that their stories are cleaner. Like, I would have happily cut so many episodes of The Walking Dead to smithereens if they let me. But Brian's right. I think it's the same stuff I was talking about earlier. It could have used more exposition in this first episode. And, you know, I wouldn't have been opposed to them doing like a quote unquote like two hour, but like just like a double, like a big longer premiere episode and then following up with like tight 40 minutes episodes for the whole first season might have been a better strategy for this show in particular. So now as far as every other element of the show, set design, costume, everything, does it feel like a Star Wars show to you? Kind of. Pretty much. The spaceship for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they've gotten rid of the Jedi and and everything else. And we've like, we're like Mos Eisley Cantina all day, all the time, 24-7. And I think that's, that's what they're building off of. They want that 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 is their bread and butter, and they want to like put that in different places in the That's galaxy. Their mood I board. Think. Yeah. How do you think this is going to relate to the Star Wars universe as a whole? And obviously, the big twist was the Yoda baby. Um, Should we say what the Yoda baby is? <laughs> yeah, l- l- Kelly, explain the Yoda baby first off. Um, right. So he's supposed to go hunt down someone, and he only knows the detail that he's fifty years old, and he's got like a tracker. And then they, him and the droid, break into the compound and they see a little bassinet, a floating bassinet. Um, And inside is a baby of Yoda's species. And, you know, remembering how old Yoda was, it makes sense that perhaps they stayed infancy for 50 plus years. Um, And the droid wants to kill the baby. And Mandalorian's like, excuse me, Mando is like, nah, bro, shoots the droid and then reaches out E.T. style to touch the baby and then cut to black. Besides the fact that these are going to end up in like every store possible and they're going to sell billions and billions probably of little Yoda baby dolls. It's the new Porg. No, but better though, because the Way Porg is still the a little... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Porg sure. yeah. sucks. We yeah. all know no, this. No, 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 no. Porg does not suck. It's like Rise of Skywalker doesn't have that. It doesn't have that kind of like cute cuteness factor thing. What about that tiny droid though? Yeah. The droids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with the Mando about droids sucking, but that's just me. Um, yeah, porgs are awesome, but but I feel like you know now you can sell baby Yo- blush baby Yodas, and like 
and make a ton. Oh, absolutely. You're gonna make you know they're gonna have like the frozen two fire demon salamander plush guy, and then it's like Yoda baby. The and then time. the Mando action figure. I haven't got my Mando action figure yet. I have a Mando Funko Pop, but I've not gotten my Mando action. There's still figure. time. There's yeah, still time. It, it's true. It's Christmas um, around the world. Speaking of Baby Yoda, side note, want to highly recommend uh, a Vulture article about Baby Yoda written by uh, Jen Shanny, Jack McHenry, and Catherine Van Arendonk, who are all friends of mine. Just a whole bunch of questions about Baby Yoda, including, like, what are Baby Yoda's milestones? Is Baby Yoda registered? Um, and other fun, hilarious, dumb parenting things glommed onto Baby Yoda. Well, there we go. This is obviously based on the one episode, but from what we've seen so far, what more do you want from the first season of The Mando? Everything. I mean, I th- <laughs> is know. there is there one like is there one big thing where you're like I this is I need this from this first season? I would like to see. So they've built out a lot of this post Return of the Jedi universe, some in in video games with that that Battlefront two like thing, but. A lot of it's been in novel form. They've built out a lot of stuff that I have not read yet. So I was I, I was reading something I don't know where it was, but about Yoda baby and and they were talking about you know what this is where you know we're t- catching up at a time you know after after Return of the Jedi and you know the Imperial remnants out there and they go into the unknown regions and the, you know and there was like this whole like thing about the origin of the First Order. I'm like. Are these people making shit up, or like, I when when did all this happen? And apparently, like, it's a thing that's happened in the novels. And I'm like a Star Wars fan. I that I totally missed it. Apparently, I would like to see more of that. Forget that. Don't make me read anything. Although I do like reading. Reading is fundamental. But like, show me some of that. Make Giancarlo Esposito tie into like where the is the first order from and where has that been this whole time and maybe that's maybe that's how they tie in the rise of skywalker a little bit about because they got to explain the emperor somehow um so maybe they, that's how that ties into a little bit there because i don't think it's i don't think it's coincidence that that you know the mando's going right you know it's it's eight weeks and like rise of skywalker's right before the finale i don't think that's a coincidence well that's that's what i was thinking too is how much of how many hints are we going to get from this show that lead up to the movie which is what I, I think. I don't think there will be any hints to the movie. I don't think it's going to be major, but maybe like little. There will be a connection. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like more kind of like a little bit of, be- not backstory, but just some more context for everything that happens. Yeah, maybe. Maybe the Mando's Ray's dad. I don't know. <laughs> I mean. The Mando probably got some action. Ray like, Mando. Let's, let's, let's be real. I mean, the Mando won't get any action on Disney Plus, but you're right. He probably got some action. <laughs> off screen action. It's going to be like the guy getting closed by the door. It's off screen. You just kind of assume. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I hope the he Mando takes, gets around. I hope he takes his helmet <laughs> off, though. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, he's got to take his helmet off. That's all I want, and he's got to do it next episode. He no, can't do uh-uh. it in the finale. It'll be the finale if he no, takes. No, I off. hate that. That's no, it's got to be sooner. I agree. The first yeah. season of Runaways on Hulu, which is a Marvel series that spent the whole season not having them run away until the final episode, and in the comics on which it's based, they run away in the first issue. So, as a Star Wars fan, I want backstory into the First Order. I like all the cool stuff. I like the speeders. I like the action. But as a TV critic, you got to be able to have a show that's just a show. And um, the best Marvel shows so far, in sort of what I'm like, Marvel TV Phase One, that's all dead because now they're. They were created by essentially a different studio than the films. But the best one was Cloak and Dagger. 
And Cloak and Dagger just kind of did its own thing in the world set up by the movies. And it was really successful because it focused on something the movies couldn't do, which was teen coming of age and romance. And it did that well. So I just, I don't, that's the biggest worry I have for like the Marvel shows coming to Disney Plus as well. Don't pick synergy over storytelling. They're gonna pick synergy for sure. But at least they could pretend not to. I don't know. I just, I want it to be able to stand on its own. Like, it's sort of like with Game of Thrones. Like, someone who had never read the books had to be able to come into that show and understand what was going on. So someone who's never seen a Star Wars movie has to be able to come into The Mandalorian and understand what's going on and appreciate it for what it is. And if you've never heard of Boba Fett before, it's hard. Um, I'm okay with the Mando maintaining the helmet for a couple episodes in if need be they can play off of the characters that he goes after as part of the bounty they did it in the first episode right away with that one character who was you know had to you know go to the bathroom basically and like was trying to find a way to get out and then he ends up you know getting the carbonite treatment um but basically it's great for your skin yeah no it really opens your pores up it's wonderful um so I'm okay with that. You play off of some of those characters and they can kind of carry the weight a little bit and he can still kind of stay with the helmet. But yeah, at some point, a couple episodes deep, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more off helmet stuff. And I don't expect him to all the, you know, spend the rest of the series beyond that off helmet and then all this other you know, kind of go against that. But just a, I need a little bit of the human connection sort of. He's not going to he's not going to take the helmet off. You're going to have you're going to have over the course of the first season, if he takes it off at all, you're going to see more and more of those flashbacks that connect him to like his human, you know, his what he was. Yeah. What he was, where he's from, because the Mandalorians are this kind of like, you know, honor, honor code oriented, you know, warrior clan who are all about armor and like tr- tradition and all this, you know, this Beskar steel stuff, and they put it all over him, and it's just like, and you got the, you know, the Mando tattoo thing that that Boba Fett probably culturally appropriated, if we're, you know, kind of being honest, because um, I don't think he, I don't think he was, he, he was like a clone from like Camino. I don't, we don't even know if he was actually from Mandalore. I mean, he's like the the armor and the helmet and everything. That is the Mando. So if if it if it comes off, it ain't coming off until like there's some like weird intimate moment where you know it's like it's like a dramatic thing where it means the most when he takes it off and that ain't happening until at least probably the maybe the second to last episode before the finale or the finale or it's going to be a while before we get there i think mm-hmm. um, so disney said it's it's taking a break from star wars movies after last jedi they're going to spend more time in tv we already know about the obi-wan kenobi series starring ewan mcgregor that's coming um is there anything else TV-wise we want to see? After seeing the first episode of The Mandalorian, the other thought I had was it would have been cool if Solo, instead of being a movie, was like a kind of a TV series like Procedural this, would have been awesome. Where you just, yeah, you just followed him doing stuff. Han and Chewie. Would have been weekly. way better. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on like other TV stuff you want to see? We'll start with Kelly because she is the TV guru here. Um, I don't know. I'm very nervous about it. I'm not convinced that it totally works like brian was saying that like i don't know if star wars works in in a shorter format um but obviously we have a whole season of the mandalorian to prove me wrong um i think i think they should be judicious um i would really like to see tv writers and directors given a chance at it 
like real TV people. Like no offense to John Favreau, he's a really great director and he's made a bunch of really great films. But when he was announced as the, as the creator for this, I was actually like really upset because there are just so many people who do TV and especially women and people of color who do a lot of TV. And you don't want what happened with Game of Thrones, which is two bros who have never done anything like spending millions of HBO's dollars to go to film school, quote unquote, which is what they actually said at a at a writer's festival. So and there are just so many really great voices in TV who do interesting things with the format and make it different enough from movies to make it its own separate art form. So, you know, someone who pops into my brain is Drew Goddard, who's got really great genre cred, who worked on Buffy um, and worked with Joss Whedon and did The Cabin in the Woods. And he's done a bunch of other stuff recently. Um, and Michelle McLaren, who's a really great director, who was almost going to do Wonder Woman, but she didn't. But she's done stuff with Game of Thrones. She directed a lot of Breaking Bad. You know, there are just a lot of really interesting people who I think could give really good spins. And if, you know, if we're unsure about the characters, like, you know what I mean? Like, if I don't know who they're going to make it about, other than like Obi-Wan Kenobi, if they're going to try something else with somebody I've never met before, what I want to hear is someone who has a good track record in TV spearheading it. Mm hmm. The thing, the thing that I think makes it challenging for Star Wars is that we already have a legacy of really good sci-fi TV out there, and it's not the, it's obviously not directly the same as Star Wars. Like Star Trek's a fine example. It is not nope. a very different approach than Star Wars has. Obviously, there's also stuff like Battlestar Galactica too. Um, it's I think Star Wars still has that reputation of just being a movie franchise, so I think it's still got a lot to work with in terms of getting away from that if it wants to do well. But it just makes me wonder, yeah, like, I mean, Kelly hinted at this where it's like, can can you take Star Wars and make it TV with, especially with all these other programs that have shown what good sci-fi can be, can Star Wars get there? And I worry sometimes whether those comparisons are going to come up at some point. I don't think they want to be TV. They are cinema. Star Wars, you know, it changed cinema. It is, it is, it is movies. It is not TV. And I think I think this proves it. I think you know it's 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 kind of going the Netflix way of like, okay, we're gonna have this really long movie and we're gonna you know we're gonna separate it and like have cliffhangers and stuff, but it's gonna be a you know it's gonna be a linear thing. It's gonna go the model of like you know it wants to do a little bit of both. It wants to have that kind of like TV cred to a certain degree, but it's like it's not. It's gonna it's gonna be cinematic. As much as it can, I think the anime, the animated shows are kind of more to that kind of like half hour TV model. The TV shows really have never, in a big way, connected to the movies. They've tried a little bit. I mean, Poe Dameron shows up in Star Wars Resistance, but it's it's not. It's never going to be the same as as movies. And with this, and the Mando is going to be that is that is connects to the movies. That is you know that is important for them. So they're not going to go the TV route, procedural route, probably. They're probably going to go, like, boom, boom, boom. You know, it's still movies. It's just not, you know, like, it's not going to be like a two-hour thing. I think we need to take a break from Star Wars. Just in general. I think, you know, maybe keep up with the books and the video games and stuff. But just, like, pull back. Pull back a little bit. It's probably a conversation we need to have, you know, in a month. We need to Force Awaken or Force Awakens kind of, like, moment again, where it's just, like, Take everything away for a bit. Let fans get back to like actually wanting, you know, yearning for this rather than like expecting it, mm -hmm. which is kind of where we're at now. We will have much more to say about this, I'm sure, later. Yes, exactly. 
Um, okay, listeners, your turn. Are you watching The Mandalorian? Uh, what do you think? Are you excited about Star Wars TV? Will you forever refer to this show and this character as The Mando? Remember, the Mando. There's only one right answer to that question. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there really is. And remember, you heard it here first. If anyone else tries to say otherwise, they're full of crap. Uh, let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, or you can tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina 23 I'm at Brian Truitt. And I'm at K-Lulz, K-L-A-W-L-S. And don't forget, you can email us, too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Uh, that'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, special thanks to our pilot slash producers of The Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the pod and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free. And while you're there, how about you leave us a rating or a review? It helps other people find the pod, and we won't sick the Mando on you. If Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or pretty much anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next week, nerds out. Later. Bye. The Mando. Mando out. <laughs>